Hey guys, welcome to Idol Life Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Johnson. This week, I get to sit down with a good buddy of mine, Jim Huntsman. Jim runs his own podcast. Uh, he's a hunter, he's a fisherman, he's a family man. He's a really good friend. Uh, he's inspired me to start doing podcasting. We've gone hunting together. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this with him. He's a good dude. You sh- if you haven't, go over to his channel. It's the Western Huntsman Podcast and check it out it's man he's got some really good episodes if you like elk hunting he's got the school of september he does some cool giveaways um anyways he's a good all-around dude so we're just gonna get right into it here it is thanks for listening all right guys welcome to another installment in the idol life podcast series i'm steve johnson your host and tonight I have a very special guest with me, uh, Jim Huntsman. And Jim is a badass mofo. He is a really cool dude. I really like Jim. We've hunted together. We got together. He kind of inspired me to get going on the podcast and go down this route. This is where it started. The first podcast I ever listened to was with Jim. And then we got to get out this year, and we did some hunting, and I had a freaking blast with Jim. So, without further ado, here's Jim. Welcome. Jeez, man. <laughs> that was, you've got an inflated view of, of uh, my stature. <laughs> I, like, I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> Dude, I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything. Like, you're, well, uh, you're I, bad I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. I, you should let my wife know how yeah. cool I am. Heck yeah. <laughs> I can do that for you. <laughs> I'll do it next year when you forget your anniversary. <laughs> yeah, she, she might believe you. She doesn't believe me when I tell her how cool I am. And yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you gotta it re- came from a you third gotta party. You got to return the favor, though, with me. You got to do it with okay. me. Okay. <laughs> uh, you got a deal. We can start right. like a service. We can start yeah. a service. Sell it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so um tell us a little about you jim like i'm sure all the viewers or the listeners that i have already know about the western huntsman podcast but just in case like yeah. it's kind of a overview of you sure uh well i mean i i, I started the western huntsman a couple of years ago uh we're we're just coming up to our two year anniversary here pretty quick on the actual podcast side. But, uh, the, the platform, the West Western hunts was a little bit older than that. Um, mainly just writing articles and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, I just, I wanted, I've got a extreme, um, I don't know if it's an obsession or how to say it, but I, I, I wanted to do more for hunting than just go hunting, if that makes sense. And, one of the things that really bothers me is the anti-hunting movement. And that's kind of what my platform is centered around is keeping track of, of what's going on with that and, and who's doing what and who's, what legislation is out there, what lawsuits are going on. Uh, so we try, we try to keep up with all that kind of stuff, but that's, uh, that's the platform. And, and how we do that is we just have, you know, like guys like you on the show and we talk hunting and, and talk about our passion and, trade secrets and, and things like that. Um, I'm a lifelong Western hunter and, uh, this, uh, it's, it's what I'm, it's what I'm passionate about. I, I just, uh, I've been doing it. Like I said, I've been doing it my whole life. And so, 
uh, not very good at it, but uh, I love it. So that's uh, that's kind of the gist of it, man. You keep saying that that you're not very good at it, and I I went hunting with you, man. So you, <laughs> you gotta quit that. Yeah. I know. Well, here I am. Here I am you, on the on the 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 going into October here. We're well into October now, and I still have yet to put a tag on an elk. That does not mean you're a bad hunter. <laughs> Let's just but I got an idea. I got up. an idea. Like, hey, you like look at your year this year. You've been super busy. I mean, and you've been like taking all the time that you can to get out, and it's like, which has been very little. You know, I dude, it has well, been so, a crazy like, year. Let's like recap on your September. So every, I mean, dude, you had a crazy September. I probably would have pulled all my hair out. The little hair. That oh, I I, man, I if I I think this September was like proof that my heart is still healthy enough to to like take on some stress. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I thought I was going to go into cardiac arrest over. I had so I had you know this this whole pandemic's been going on. So I haven't seen uh, like my parents in a long mm-hmm. time. And yeah. my dad, my dad calls me up and he's like, Hey, I could come and we could visit, you know, the last week of August or like the ninth through the 15th of September or something like that. And I'm yeah. like, okay, yeah, no, do the August one. Uh, absolutely. August. And calls me back like two hours later. Yeah. I couldn't get a flight in August. So we're coming the ninth through the 15th or, or something. I think that's the dates of September, which is prime. That, that's prime rut. I, I mean, that's your peak rut, you know? And uh, so that was pretty upsetting. Uh, I didn't convey that to him. So hopefully he doesn't hear this, but you know, it was, it's just, I hadn't seen him in a long time. So I kind of let it slide. <laughs> we had visitors yeah. before that. And then we had my, my in-laws, my brother-in-law come up the weekend after, which is no big deal. Cause he'll, he'll just go hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Yeah. And so I guess to add more sauce to that gravy or whatever, you know, we, we bought a homestead acreage bare land that we moved out onto this year and it is a lot of work dude like it's just yeah. it's a lot and so i can't just take off for 10 days because i have you know my wife can't fill the we're living in a fifth wheel and when it's out of water that's that's a me job you know and and so anyway that's my sob story for september it's no excuse no I, well but still like you're it's it's a lot of hours that you're working on the homestead and you're trying to make ends with your dad and see him, especially after this whole crap, all like this big shit show that's been going on lately with yeah, COVID and everything. And it's just like, I mean, it's yeah. made life a little bit harder and like life already is a little bit. Yeah. It's hard to explain. Yeah. It, but it is. It's just a, it's a lot. It's, it's a big of pile of balls all at once. And it does. Yeah. A lot of turd balls piled yeah. on the turd balls so yep exactly but still got out still had a good time actually my favorite day this september was going out with you we had uh we had a blast on that one um that that was, that was one day. of my favorite <laughs> yeah that was man they were i was blown away with how fired up the bulls were what was that like september 1st or the yeah or the I mean, the second it was like the first or second like, i think it was the second because the first i took a day off and I think the first was Wednesday or no. Yeah, no, the first was Thursday. So we went out on that Friday. Yeah. So it was the second. And I, I just, I, I just 
I was pleasantly surprised. So with I was, how you, you active those bulls stuff, were. Like you taught me some stuff about midday madness and I was just I was kinda like, oh, oh that's my favorite I've time, always, man. I mean I'm gonna admit it. I've and I told you this when we were on the mountain. I've always been that I get up in the morning, go hard in the morning, and then usually by ten o'clock I'm that guy that's heading back to camp. And Oh yeah, I used to do that too. But you're like, no, dude, trust me. We got to, like, and we we had already planned on taking our time getting out of that drainage and, like, checking that bottom out and yeah. doing some whitetail scouting. Yep, and, yep. Uh, it was just, like, we're walking and we're talking and this bull pipes off. And it was just, I don't know, <laughs> I learned some stuff on that trip that. Oh, me too, man. You know. No, I, I, that's. That's one of the cool parts is, is I am, I am mostly a solo hunter. And so I love going with people every once in a while, because it is like an eye opener for me because I learn I learn a lot. I learned a lot from you. And uh, I went out with a couple of different guys this, this year, which is totally new for me. And I learned a lot from them, but I, uh, I, I feel like you're just a really good caller. You've got really good instincts in the mountains and and yeah man that midday madness that's that's my favorite i've called in more bulls during that time than i have in the morning or in the evening during the evening hunts uh and and this year this year that it, it just it stayed true i mean uh yeah that i i told you about that bull i, I called him in it's eleven thirty. he's a big old herd bull and he's just pissed <laughs> And he comes in, and I draw my bow back while my bow gets caught up in my Tacticam camera that I had strapped to my pack. Uh, and it's, like, on my shoulder. <laughs> and so uh, I, th- I think I – did I did I send you the footage of this? No, you told me about it, and I was – I'm I've, I've been waiting to see it. I thought you put it up on Instagram or Facebook or something by now. I, I yeah, I will when I have time. I need to trim it down. You you don't. I watched it. And you can't actually see the damn bull, but you can hear me kind of cussing at the fact that my and this bull is twenty feet from me, so my bow gets hung up in in it on my shoulder strap. Just to, for people that can't visualize it, I have an attachment that goes on my my strap on my um you know shoulder on on the pack on my pack and so it's normally just totally out of the way but i i I was going through some thick alder brush and i think that it like pushed it forward so when i drew my bow point is is i was all caught up in it i'm like a tangled mess and i'm cussing the bull's 20 feet from me looking at me (laughs) i got like this perfect shot and then he buggers off and i'm cussing and i turn around and this cow, because I had made some cow calls, was also looking for me. And she's 30 feet a- away from me. And I got her on film. And she's, like, mewing. And then she'll, she's eating. She'll feed for a second and mew and then feed. And she didn't get the hint that there's some hunter that's got his bow caught up in the camera. So that is pretty cool footage, actually. I'm excited to see it. I, yeah. I feel like I need to come over to the place, to the homestead, and watch this. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. Well, you know, like if you watch a video online or like you watch it, like say your friend sends you something on the phone and you hit play uh, on it and it's, it's, it's almost like it gets a little distorted or pixelated and you don't yeah, really it's all blurry experience. It's like firsthand yeah. when you see it fresh, it's like, all right, that's cool. Like you get, a, it's a whole different take on it. Perspective. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Well, we'll do that, man. And I almost, I almost hesitate calling this place a homestead in a lot of ways because homesteaders are like true blue off grid kind of thing. All this is is bare land. I just want to clarify. So if somebody's homesteading out there, like we don't have goats. Uh, we don't, we don't have, you know, any livestock yet. We're getting chickens, but we have power. I got a well coming at some point in my life before I die. Um, and uh, all, all that kind of stuff. So I, I just wanted to like clarify that part. But you are definitely roughing it. I mean, I mean, yeah. to an extent. I mean, dude, I love it. I freaking cool. love it, man. I love, I loved your place when I came up there. I was like, this is freaking awesome. I love that area just in general. Like I, I, I do too, man. There's a there's a huge bull hanging hanging out like across the highway. By the way, a crow flies maybe 500 yards, but he's bugling like every night and it, he's still doing it. Like that's it, what is it? The October what? 12th today, I think. Um, and yeah, he's over there bugling up a bugling up a storm. It's crazy. Yeah. Today's the 13th. Oh, the 13th. Yeah. Actually, I haven't heard him tonight, but I heard him last night. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I told you about that. Too, uh, I've got a buddy that lives up in that same. Well, his parents have property up there in that area, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, there's always a ton of elk in that. It especially as it gets like later in the year. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I saw there was a bunch of elk out in the 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 field that's kind of across from me. There's a like a hay alfalfa farm or something over there. Actually, I don't know what they're growing, but anyway, it was filled with elk back in April when we first looked at this property uh, and there's rubs all over the place. So yeah. it works out. It's, you know, my kind of place. Well, and you got bears too. I do, man. I'm setting a barrel <laughs> uh, this weekend. I've got a Did bear you? on the backside. It's actually not on my property. It's on the power company's land. Okay. And uh, I got him kind of dialed in. I know where he's at. And so I'm going to go set, I'm going to go set a bait up. Uh, I'm, I, you know, my focus has been getting my girls a deer and as soon as, as soon as that's done, I'm, I'm going to go over and set a bait barrel. That's freaking cool. Yeah. So that's something, that's a good segue really quick here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you just got your daughter a deer and that's kind of what I wanted to dive into on this. Um, but before we get into like the, the details of that, um, how did you get started in hunting? So uh, I, I was telling you when I started the Western Huntsman originally, it was just mainly a place for me to write articles and stuff like that and, and just put them all in one place. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of geek out on that stuff. And I, I wrote a I wrote an article on like what what happened in terms of. And I'm always interested in this with people. I'm like always I'm always super curious how hunters that are super passionate about hunting how how that came to be right mm-hmm. and so i just kind of started thinking about how that happened for me and i i, I was telling you my dad visited a couple weeks back back in september you know and my dad is a terrible hunter and <laughs> and i told him because I, I don't know if my dad's ever even gotten anything um and he's uh he's one of those hunters that he's not passionate about it. He just likes to go and for the experience and the memories and all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not talking smack about it. 
Um, but he took me on this deer hunt when I was four. And I, I don't know what he was thinking because, I mean, you could barely, you know, get up a mountain when you're four. But anyway, <laughs> we we go and we're, we're camping in this green tent trailer and the Coleman stove. This is back in the 80s, right? And so it's uh-huh. – uh, you know, and, and there's just the nostalgia of all the leaves changing and some dude that was camped by us, he got this big old buck. And I remember thinking how big it was and uh, it was a deer hunt. And this was in central Utah. Okay. And um so is it a mule deer it, hunt or was it Yeah, a it's a, yeah, it's all all muleys in Utah, okay. man. They, I don't think they have any white to maybe up in the north part they might get one wandering through, but Utah's is, is uh is all uh mule deer. Okay. And and especially back then, and so it was that kind of hunt, kind of sage aspen quakey, you know, kind of country and and uh it just like deeply ingrained this this passion for for hunting and, and nature and the pursuit and just the experience that it offers, especially a kid. It's just, that's, that's where it developed out of. Yeah. Uh, I grew up going with other family and, and I had a stepdad that I'd go with and um, he'd knock one down every once in a while. And then finally I got old enough to hunt and got pretty good at it with deer at least. And, uh, never really, I didn't get into elk hunting until I was in my twenties. So. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, man. No, I was, I was in my early twenties, just out of the, I was in the Marines for about five years. And, uh, they, I, I, I was actually in Iraq. And when I, when I got back from Iraq, I, I EASed out and that was like July. And I was elk hunting for my first time ever, like the, that October. It was a rifle hunt. I had no wow. idea what I was doing. So, it's like a well uh, anyway. rifle hunt. Yeah, yeah, it was weird, man. It was, it was it was a weird transition going, you know, from from you know combat Marine Corps to to hunting uh, back as as like a civilian. You know, I didn't I didn't. It, it was just this weird that whole first year being out. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, that's so that's kind of what my story's been, and I've always been one of those hunters that you know sometimes i tag out but most of the time i make a mistake and i don't and so that's and i'm I'm cool with that i don't care well and that's the same with all of us i think like i i think you'd be lying if you said different i mean we all that's how we get better yeah right i mean oh for sure for sure i wish i wish i I knew now at 40 what what i i wish i knew now or i'm sorry i say that again when I was in my twenties, I wish I had what was in my mind now as to like how to learn to hunt and how to learn from other hunters. And, 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 you know, I just kind of, you get, you get stuck when you're in your twenties. I think sometimes that like, you know, it already, you know what I mean? You know, I was talking to somebody about something along these lines and, um, when you when you first like when I first got started hunting, you know we had I had a couple different people come into my life that were like you know I looked up to because you know they had a big elk rack on the wall or they had a big deer yeah. rack on the yeah. wall, you know, and it's like when you have none of that on your wall and you're looking to notch your first tag, it's almost like I mean. I don't even know how to explain it when you're looking at a 
when you go into somebody's house or you see that for the first time, you're like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. And he might only have one mm-hmm. rack. Or maybe he's got a whole wall full of racks. But or he bought a couple of the racks like, from the pawn shop. Yeah, and who knows? But <laughs> you get it in your head and you're like, all right, I got to listen and do whatever this guy's doing because he's getting it done. And you almost get yourself stuck in this rut where it's like, all right, you know, this guy's taught me this. And this is the first time I've ever been hunting. And this guy said, you know, don't run in on an elk or don't, you know, make sure you wash your clothes in this certain detergent or you're taking the step and then you're waiting 45 minutes before you take your next step. Just different things. I mean, there's a list of stuff that everybody has in their head. And it's like you almost get stuck in a rut. And I yeah, mean, I don't want to sure. say it's a rut because you can take stuff from that guy. But it's like you yourself almost you have to just go out and do it for yourself and experience it for yourself and start building your own way of doing it. Because the way that somebody else is doing it is not necessarily going to work out for you in the way that you're going to do it. And yeah, it's just like everything. We're all different. We all approach things different. No matter how close we get to the same mindset. Like when you and I went hunting, it was like, I mean, I was like, man, I didn't even have to say anything. I, I was calling for you and it was like, I could look over at you and give you a hand signal. It was like, we knew what each other was thinking. But I know it was weird, man. It was, it, it was almost creepy. Like I've, I've never <laughs> hunted with somebody that. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, he he knows what he's doing, and I know what I'm doing, and like we just we were like robots, we just did it. Yeah, and but and like I, that's I, oh, go ahead. No, well, I guess that's just what, but in in the same sentence though, it's like we both have some different techniques that we both do differently mm-hmm. that um that we've developed on our own, and it's something that I can take from you and that you could take from me, but it's not necessarily our style of how we're going to go out and do it. And that's what I guess I'm trying yeah. to explain to somebody. It's like somebody that's listening. It's like, Hey, if you're getting started in the sport and you have that mentor, like, yeah, take as much from that mentor as you can and, you know, try to apply it, but don't discredit your own thoughts and your own, yeah, your instinct. own you know, instinct. Yeah. Everybody's got yeah. that thing that's whispering in their ear, like, stop, don't walk anymore. Or I, 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 up here. I tell people all the time, you know, follow your instinct and, you know, you nailed it, man. I always, I always relate it to a toolbox. You know, your mind is a toolbox and you need yes. to, you, you need to put a bunch of tools into your, into your toolbox. Right. And so like when I get all these like big time elk hunting experts on my podcast, you know, and, and we're doing like school of September kind of thing. Yeah. The the goal isn't to have listeners listen in and do it exactly the way that that person does it. It's it's so that they have an extra tool and and what what they could do is they can mesh it with their personality and their hunting style and their their instinct and everything else that goes into it. So when they're in the elk woods, they they're going to get into a scenario where it's like, "You know what? I I I remember this guy talking about this and here's what I need to do." And it might help them. But the, the point is, is, is to get as much information, not to the point where you almost, you know, um, hurt your, you, you can definitely do something called, you know, paralysis by analysis. You overthink it 
or mm-hmm. you're trying trying to be like somebody else too much. But if you have all the information and learn how to mesh it to your own personality and hunting style, that's where that's where it comes in handy because or you can end up like me who spent, you know, 10 years, some dude when when I was I, I don't I was probably 24 or 25. I was young. Uh, he told me he's like, never never blow a bugle when you're hunting elk because all they do is run the other direction because they hate fighting. Right. And, and he was like passionate about telling me this. Wow. Well, you've hunted, you've hunted with me. You know how much I bugle. Yeah. And I know how much you bugle. And so we know <laughs> that that's total nonsense now, but I ran with that information for like 10 years. And all I would do is I would do these really like, um, what's the right word like the opposite of aggressive <laughs> really yeah. passive cow like calling passive that's, that's what it, is. it was just passive cow calling i do a couple of mews and and you know whatever and i'd get elk to respond but um i couldn't get them fired up and i couldn't get them and and there's a lot of dudes and and hunters that go out and just use cow calls and they kill elk every year but for me for some reason it doesn't work for me i have to piss them off and I know how to piss an elk off. And, and so that's what the difference is, is I, I decided to open the lid on my toolbox and allow more tools to come into it. And, and that's really what made the difference. Um, so anyway, yeah, we got kind of well, went off on a rant important there. important for, especially for somebody getting started into elk hunting, say, for yeah. elk or whether it's white, it's just, it's important for them to realize that nobody has the right answer because if we all have, I mean, you look at guys like Dirk Durham or, you know, um, yourself or like, just, just take elk hunters across the board, especially, you know, influencers and look at them. Everybody has a different tactic, but nobody says I've mastered it. There's nobody, there's nobody out there. All the great elk hunters, all the, all the great hunters in general, they're, they're, the one thing they never turn off is they never turn off the student um, attitude. They're, they're all, they're, you know, they're a permanent student of hunting and yeah. things change and things evolve. And, you know, I, I get, I get asked a lot, like, like, what is the one piece of advice for, you know, success in, in, you know, elk hunting in September or something like that. And, and my, my answer is always the same. It's a, I am not the right guy to ask this question. <laughs> uh, See, and that, that's a fallacy right there. That, and, I'm and just going to cut no, you No, off. no, no. No, hold <laughs> that, on. It's, 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 I, have, I have so much to learn. You, you have no idea. But the, the, the second part, part of that is, is I tell them there is not just one thing. You need, you need to completely immerse yourself into September elk hunting. You, you have to. You have to learn the animals. You have to learn the wind. You have to learn thermals. You have to know what they eat. You know, you have to know how they breed. You have to know their personality. You have to know where they live and you have to know how to find them. But you could take all that aside and trade it for one thing. And that one thing is spending time in the woods because you'll learn all that by spending time in the woods. And time is the biggest handicap I think most hunters have. They, yeah. they set themselves up for failure because they, they'll draw this great tag or – They'll, they'll plan this big hunt and they'll give themselves five or seven days and that's it. That's their September, five to seven days and sometimes even 10. And I'm yeah. here to tell you in, in most cases, 
you, you really want to have more time if, if I, and I know jobs and family and all those restraints, you know, I have a, I have a day job too. Um, I wish I was like this really kick-ass full-time hunter, but I'm not. And so uh, I have family obligations and work and everything else. But, but one thing that I do commit to is like, I give my wife all year, right. And I I'll do whatever she wants, but come September, I'm that that's my month. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's time. It's all about time. So. Yeah. And this is like, I mean, there's the woodsmanship and being able to yeah. go out and, and look at those little subtle details that are on the ground painted out for you, you know, mm-hmm. or, or listening and just, you know, be, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Sometimes I've walked through the woods and, it's literally just breaking a stick or all, every once in a while, like we hunted together, I'd pick up a stick every once in a while and I just whack it against the tree as hard as I can. And mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, stuff like that is because I've learned one day when I was hunting, when I was younger, I happened to stick, step on a stick and it popped really loud and that triggered a bugle. And it was like, Oh, <laughs> You know, See, that's like, awesome. I learned something. See, I've never done that. I've never done. I love that. I love that stuff. I've, I, I literally have. So now when I walk through <laughs> the woods, you know, sometimes I'm taking my time. It just depends on the scenario. But if I'm trying to locate something, sometimes when I'm walking through the woods, I'll just pick up a big stick and just crack it against the tree as mm-hmm. hard as I can. Just get a big pop out there. Yeah, and, I remember you did that a couple times when we were hunting. And, and that's something I, I took away from you is – you do a lot of raking type kind of stuff and, and breaking branches and, um, and, uh, the way you communicate with them with the huffs and the grunts and the, and the, uh, you know, the, the heavy breathing kind of stuff through the tube. Uh, it's super effective, man. You could tell that one bull, he was so wound up that he, he didn't even know he, he wouldn't have even recognize his own mother. He was so wound up about it. It was awesome. But it, but it cuts. Is this a cussable podcast? Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I keep trying. I keep We're, losing my I'm, train of thought because I'm trying not whole, to cuss. That's my whole goal with this part. Is I just want to keep it real. Hey, it's a blue okay. collar podcast, man. So, okay, so I can say shit. Yeah. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bad boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's me. Uh, no, um, but yeah, just stuff like that, you know. I don't know. It's yeah. It, but it, I learned that from an experience of walking through the woods. And one day I happened to break a, a big freaking stick in the woods and a bull bugle because of that. And I God, swear to God. Up, and ever since then, I was like, all right, that's another way to call elk. Or like mm-hmm. when you get a, uh, when you get close to a bull, but you know, they'll hang up at that 30 to 40 yards or last light. And it's like, they're not coming in, but he's close enough to where you can hear. I mean, it's like you're, it's vibrating your chest. He's so close and you can hear his <laughs> breathing and you can hear I his growling it. and you can, mm-hmm. you can almost hear the droll dripping off his mouth and hitting the ground, you know? Oh, yeah. And those are yeah. all noises that just make it that much more real to them when you start in my mind, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Because that, that's what like most hunters, all the all the Doug Fluties that I I heard this year, because there was a lot this year, man. I've never seen 
that unit Dude. that you and I were both hunting, I've never seen it that busy. That was nuts. Anyways, like they, drunk guys a lot of road freaking loud. They were, man. You know? I had one guy, he's he's like bugling right off the road, and he's standing there taking a leak while he's bugling. Um, and he's standing by his truck. And I just wanted to like because I was going I was heading back to my truck. It was it was starting to get dark, whatever. Didn't hear anything down there. And, and that dude, he's, he's standing. His truck is running. Oh, that's that was an important little piece of info. Truck is running. He's peeing in front of it, blowing on his, like, Terminator bugle or some shit. <laughs> and um, just aggravating I, I, you. It, it, dude, these elk do this for a living. Do you really think you're going to fool them to come down to the road as if they don't know what's going on? Like you, you just—they're educating the hell out of them. It—it it drives me crazy. Like, get off the road. Well, it's like I don't mean. I mean, they're gonna—he's gonna sit there. He's bugling. He's peeing, right? Yeah. And like what? Like the bull just gonna run down off the road, and as soon as you zip your pants up, you're gonna be full draw. Like, where's your? He didn't even have his bow on him. <laughs> I don't know what the guy was doing. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. And and another time, this guy in a four wheeler—he he. he uh, answered one of my bugles actually, and I, I actually wasn't that far from the road, but there was an elk on the other side of the draw, and so I was seeing if he was still over there. That elk answers, and then I hear the four wheeler coming up. He must have heard me from down low, or he shuts his four wheeler off, jumps off the four wheeler, and starts raking a tree right there on the road. I'm like, Are you kidding me, man? Like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Ah. Uh, Anyway, it was frustrating. Some of that stuff was pretty frustrating this year. Man. I and I know. usually don't care. I don't care. Like, if you want to hunt that way, I don't, I don't really care. Until you start messing up other hunters' hunts and until you start, like, really educating the elk. Like, I don't think elk get that educated for the most part. But when you stand on the road and, and bugle and rake and pee and – and have your truck running and all that kind of stuff. Elk know that. They know yeah. that you're trying to, you know, they, they, they do this for a living. This is what they do. They live there. So, anyway, I'll, I'll stop ranting about that. No, I, I totally get it. And it I, I know at least one of those experiences, I was on the same mountain. I think we were in the same drainage. And you would text me that yeah. night. We but that wasn't like, you. That, I think you took that as me telling, saying that was you doing that. That was not you doing that. There was another <laughs> dude up there doing that. Because I know your bugle, man. After hunting with you for a day, I recognize your bugle. And so I always knew. It was funny. We've probably been hunting that same little area for you know years and not even known it because we we didn't know each other. So that's, that's what crazy. We talked about um, on a podcast you just recently put out, and we were talking about yeah recognizing bugles and. Um, yeah man yeah it's uh yeah <laughs> it's kind of crazy anyway. like i can like how i can remember stuff like that and then or you could remember stuff like that vice versa whatever but when mm-hmm. it comes to like a work thing or something i'm like i'm lost <laughs> <laughs> i know me too uh, pretty so, sure my boss texted um, me like two hours ago and i still haven't responded because i forgot <laughs> But if you bugle, they'd probably recognize it. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, man. oh, what? Huh. That's the boss. I'd get a response instantly. <laughs> if you text me, is that you? 
Yeah, um, you need to get one of those satellite things, man, so we can text each other up there. I know. What? Okay, that's really cool. I, like, talk about that a little bit, because you have this. It's it's not a it's not the Garmin inReach. No, um, I got but the it works uh, almost the same, right? I mean, yeah, pretty much, man. I got the. Uh, it's called the Zolio, and it just what it does is just Bluetooth to your phone, and so. When, like, I just turn it on and I throw it in the top pouch of my pack, right? Uh-huh. And um, it, it's connected to my phone. So, like, every 10 minutes, it checks for messages. So, like, I can text my wife. I can text you. I can text anybody. And I just, I have the little plan that I have unlimited texting. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's, I don't know. I don't know how much it is a month. I think it's like 20 bucks a month if you have it all the way on. But. You could turn it off, well, uh, it like during cool. the winter. Yeah. yeah, so you just turn it off. I love it, man. It, the battery is really good on it. So, and like they're not a show sponsor or anything. So, no, I'm not, but it was uh, super trying to just cool sell it because you were down, like we were both down in the bottom of this thick, nasty, steep drainage. I mean, a North Idaho nasty drainage, and we're in the yeah. bottom. And you're texting yeah. your wife, and then you were texting your yeah, mother-in-law. But yeah, yeah, I get text. I get text anybody, man. It's yeah, awesome. from right I, in the bottom, and it was like it's significantly cheaper than a Garmin inReach. Oh yeah, well the the actual unit itself is cheaper than the Garmin, um, and and the Garmin's a good unit. I'm not, you know, down on that thing or anything, but uh, this I just like it better because it costs less, and honestly, it's the same satellites that Garmin uses. So I've never had a problem with it. Like I, my wife and I have like full on conversations all day and I'm totally out of service. I'm way in the back country. Yeah. No, that was a super cool tool that I saw that, that you had that I was, I was really intrigued with just because I can't afford a Garmin, you know, I, yeah, they're pricey. I, I'd love to get one, but I can't afford it. And, when you told me the price of that, I was like, wow, that's something that I could get. And it'd actually be a really good tool, you know, for somebody, even, you know, if you're going deep or, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Anything can happen when you're out there and it's that I can, I can see the, I don't know. I could just see it being a, a very handy tool to have in your pack. So especially for mm-hmm. the price, it's like, why wouldn't you? Oh yeah, exactly. And you could use it for other, I use it all the time. I don't just use it for hunting. Like we go camping a lot and I use it when we're camped up on the mountain or whatever. If you have people coming, you could tell them, Hey, here's where we're camped. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. So, um, we're going to kind of bounce off subject here and I want to talk to you about your daughter's recent hunt and, you know, getting the kids out there and doing that. Um, so let's, yeah, go ahead. Get into that story of what happened, yeah. what went down. Maybe just kind of give everybody an overview of what we're talking about here. Because it was a really cool experience. It's, I'm actually really jealous of you <laughs> for that. I can't, I'm like really counting the days down to when I get to do that with my son. And yeah, so go ahead. Yeah, man, it's, it's something. It's something. I've always been so, like, selfish when it comes to hunting. 
you know, that's my time and nobody's going to mess with it kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. um, man, when your kids get big enough to take them out, it's, it's a whole different ball game. And, um, my daughter Shiloh, she got her first buck yesterday. In fact, I, I just, I got it hanging out there right now. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that bear doesn't come over and like rip it apart, but I think I, I think I got it high enough. Anyway, um, I I started taking them with me periodically, uh, like on on some of my whitetail deer hunts. If because I'll just go, I'll I'll find I'll kind of generally know where some deer are going to be, and I'll just sit on a trail or whatever, and kind of with the idea that um, you know we're probably not going to see anything, but they're going to get the experience, you know. Yeah. And, um, and I wasn't sure because I, you know, I have girls and I wasn't sure if they were going to be into it or not. And I'm not like the kind of dad that's going to force it on them. So they're either into it or they're not. And and so it's totally up to them, you know? Um, and it would be the same if I had a boy, it's not something I'd like force on him. Uh, but anyway, I, so I take, take both my daughters out last year and I didn't think in a million years that a buck would show up um but i I, you know it's just one of those things i just they don't they don't they don't watch what they're wearing that you know it smells like laundry it smells like you know they whatever they use the really fluffy flowery hand soaps all that kind of stuff yeah so anyway i take them out and no kidding man this uh a couple of does come walking up this trail and into this little opening area and right behind him is this um little three by three whitetail and i'm like that is not you know i'm, I'm usually not going to shoot a whitetail that small and i am not a snob when it comes to that so i don't want anybody to take me wrong uh-huh. but it was early it was early in the season so i was going to be a little bit more picky but the girls were right there this whitetail walks out he's a decent buck and boom i dropped him and my my goal with that was to kind of gauge their reaction yeah and it, it was like nothing but positive they they helped me gut the deer they helped me do all this stuff so anyway fast forward after the hunt we get back um it was cool man i cut the antlers off of that buck and uh made them each their own like special antler with this like leather handle thing on the bottom and put their initials on it so that was their first experience seeing right. a deer oh. going on so you know, time goes by and I, I keep asking him, do you guys want to do hunter safety? And, you know, do you want to go out and hunt and actually actually be behind the rifle? And yeah. uh, they've both been pretty enthusiastic. So got them through hunter safety, uh, went and made a big deal out of getting them their first tags. And so they got their tags and uh, we've been hunting, you know, it opened on the 10th. And so we've been hunting like every day and I've been alternating which daughter's going out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go out yesterday and this spike, like no kidding, 15 minutes of being sitting in this spot, this, this spike walks up and clears through the trees. And I'm like, she's aimed in on him. And I'm like, why aren't you shooting? <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> lean over to say that. And then I realized why she had, she had like these fern bushes that were blocking the shot. And so she was doing good. She was doing the right thing, right? She's 12, by the way. And so deer takes a few more steps, and I'm going, I, I told her, fire when ready. You know, obviously whispering. And next thing I know, that, that rifle reports, and I watched that buck. She hit him perfect. He goes 60 yards and, and falls over. 
Um, and uh, we, we kind of had to do a little tracking because of where we went was pretty thick brush. Uh, and so she got to learn how to, well, she's tracked a lot of stuff with me before in the past, but anyway, and there it was that buck was laying there and it was her first year. She's just happy as all get out. And it was just like this amazing experience for us for us both. And so now I have the tall order of trying to find my 10 year old a buck because she's, you know, now she's got to outdo her sister. Probably what's going to happen is some monster buck's going to walk out and she's going to nail him. Well, you uh, I know you've you've been sharing some stuff. Um, you've been patterning those deer out there for the time. Yeah. You, for from the time you've been out there to right now, I mean, you've kind of got a pretty good grip on what's going on around your place and in that area. Yep. So yeah, I think that's an important uh, that's an important point to bring up. Is yeah, a, uh, we shot this buck on my private property. Right. And so that, that changed, this was not like some public land, badass backcountry hunt. Um, and so I, I, that's probably important to clarify. Well, uh, now, I, now I, I'll, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, the way you said it's not some badass hunt, it is a badass hunt. <laughs> I'm going to correct well, you. Well, know, you know what I mean? It, it wasn't, it wasn't like, um, it, it wasn't a public land hunt. And there, there's definitely a difference. These, these bucks on my property, we have, we have quite a few. Um, they are not pressured bucks, right? They they're not pressured bucks. They're but they're still whitetails, and they're still pretty leery, and they're still yeah, pretty and, sketchy, and you know. Well, that's so, just something to say too. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's private or public with a whitetail. In my head, I mean, here's the thing: with where you're at, those deer have access to public land, and those deer are on public land, and they venture oh, yeah. on private too but they're still a white yeah, tail they don't white know tail's not they, an easy feat i mean it's not man like i could i could take her to spots and no offense to the muley hunters out there because i am one passionate mule deer hunter uh but i could go find a little fork and horn mule deer and have her tag that thing out any day of the week white tails are trickier man when especially yeah especially those younger bucks. I, I feel like when, when a whitetail matures and a mule deer matures, I think that they're, they're equally as difficult to hunt. But, but when you're, when you're just trying to target like a younger buck, you know, a two and a half year old or something, mm-hmm. uh, one and a half year old, um, whitetails are a lot more keen as to their surroundings. And uh, so it, it wasn't like an easy hunt, but it wasn't, it could have been a lot harder too. And all I cared about, my goal was to get a deer in front of her and see her make a lethal shot and, uh, you know, see her do all the prep work for it and and the preparation and the training and the practice and all that kind of stuff. And she Mm -hmm. did all that. Yeah. And she did it with you. And that's what's really cool about this whole thing is like you were out there with them and you took them out there, put the cameras up and like... Mm -hmm. You you didn't go out there blind is what I'm saying. Like you you Mm-mm. showed them what the work is to get to that point. I feel like you if you go out whitetail hunting blind, your odds of success are very low. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, you, you, they're they're too smart. You just you got to kind of know you got to have somewhat of a game plan at least. I mean, trails you know where they're going. They're you know they they just. 
white tail is just tricky, man. And I love them. I love them because of it. Yeah. And they're an animal that's like, it's no matter, it does not matter how much work you put into them. The day you go out to hunt them, there's variables. And I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, it's a lot more, I mean, yeah, you can go out and I've done this. i I used to go out in November. It was like I had that mentality. All right, I'm going to go hunt whitetail November when they're stupid and they're all running around chasing does. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you go out when that happens and you can get lucky and you can make yeah. something happen. But yeah, right now in October, it's a whole different scenario. It's like, yeah, the bucks are starting to get some kind of testosterone built up and they're yep. starting to make – but they're still smart as fuck. Like, yeah, not for stupid. sure. They are, man. They, they are not stupid. They're definitely not November stupid right now. Uh, no. I did notice there was uh, these two bucks that have been paired up all summer. Uh, I noticed they split up. So that tells you something like over the last couple of days, they are not, uh, they are not traveling together right now. Yeah. Um, so they, they've split. So, you know, the rut's coming. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were, they were both, um, they're probably two and a half or three. I think one's a two and a half year old buck and one's a three and a half year old buck, but they give me a lot of Intel. Like they, I know, like I, they, they just give me a lot of, for example, I just, I just realized that now they, these two bucks that have been together all summer long are now, um, separated and they, they're not together anymore. So they're, they're starting to stage, man. Yeah, they're, and something I noticed the other day, um, I've actually found a scrape that a buck had just recently pawed up and pissed in, and uh-huh. that's the first sign of that I've seen this year. So it's like, okay, that in my head it's cluing in, like, okay, they're starting to establish their areas, and yep, yep. they're trying to find those does, or they're trying to get those does to come and check those spots. I. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a whitetail scientist, and I'm, I'm not I'm not good at whitetail hunting at all. I just I'm trying to learn it, and the, but there's stuff that I'm starting to see now on the ground that's like, mm-hmm. okay, something's changed. And it's when the velvet comes off. I saw my bucks that I've been watching this year. They all split. They're they're just like you noticed. Yep. They did something different. As soon as the velvet came off, it's like within a couple of days, they're doing different stuff. They're not with the same deer that they were hanging out with all summer. Um, they're not in the same areas. They all move into these different zones, I guess, if you will. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, and, just, they just split up. Yeah, they do. And I, it's just, it's one of the hardest animals, and especially like where we're at. I mean, we don't have a lot of ag ground. There's nothing that's holding them to a certain spot. So trying to find yeah. the spots that they go to each period of that season, it's like, it's tough. It is tough, man. You just said something that reminded me of one of my trail cameras. I haven't checked in like a month. I need to go over there and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I got a little sidetrack. I've got like I forgot about cam- it. I got six cameras right now that I haven't checked yet. Yeah. This- since july that i need to go up and check i've been mm-hmm. gung-ho on you know i've been gung-ho on two different deer this year and i didn't even go check the other ones and i really need to get up there and at least check those cameras 
Yeah, but. his brother-in-law might be over there, man. <laughs> Big old well, buck. Yeah, I, I just, you know, getting back to what you were talking about with uh, getting these youth hunters out. Uh, yeah, it just changes your perspective on a lot of things. You'd, you'd be surprised. I always have the opinion that you're going to learn the most by trying to teach others. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, that held true this year. I just it, man, it, what I, an experience. You, you said that to me, and that was a, one of the something that I definitely wanted to bring up in this podcast was you know like what did you learn from taking your kids out? And yeah, you know, and I know it's I, not over, it, but it, you know the first just from that first hunt, what's something that you took away from that that you probably maybe what you know you could share uh something that i guess it's just something you never thought about before but now it's uh-huh. really hitting home or yeah i uh i uh, first of all the, the the first thing that i'll tell you is my previous doubts i had about a 7mm08 are are gone that rifle <laughs> did fantastic i was i was pleasantly surprised i've just never really had any experience with that kind of rifle and you know i'm not a huge rifle hunter anyway mainly a bow hunter but uh i do like rifle hunting man it's fun it's it's just it's just a different yeah it's just a different animal um Mm -hmm. i i just love it and uh and so i'd say that's that's probably the first thing the the second thing is um kids don't care if they have the latest and greatest line of camo or the, the most expensive pack or, you know, my daughter was wearing a purple Carhartt um, and they, they don't care. They, they're not out there for like social media exposure. Like you see a lot of hunters out there. I feel like, I feel like there's just a lot of people that they, they hunt so they can post it on social media. Yeah. And it irritates me. And you know, kids aren't like that, especially my kids, because they don't even have social media. But um, the, it, it's it's not like that for them. Um, they're mm-hmm. they are totally self absorbed in the moment, right? They, they, mm-hmm. It is all about what's going on in the moment, and I feel like they get a lot more out of it. They're not sitting there thinking about, you know, what what am, what do I need to do to get ready for work tomorrow? Or what do I need to plan for this at the house? Or, you know, what's my, what's my spouse going to think of if I went and did this, you know, they don't, they don't have all those burdens that, that can kind of drag an adult down. And, and so it, they, they have a different kind of burden, but it's the kind of burden that doesn't burden them when they're hunting. It's they're So in the moment. Yeah. They're and, um, that. Yeah. And, and it's just something that, like, you can really take a lot out of because, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the woods and I'm stressed out about something at home or my day job or, or even the podcast. I get stressed about the podcast. Yeah. You know, uh, wh- whatever. And I just, I just learned that, you know, with them, they are so much in the moment. They're, they're sucking everything in. They're just like this sponge they want the information, they want the experience, they want the memory, and they, they enjoy it more. And, and so it was just like, I made a post of the buck. She, like I told you, it's just this little spike. Um, I, 
I, it's the smallest yeah. buck and I, in a brag, braggadocious way at all. Like it's legitimately, I, I've never been a part of any kind of deer hunt where that small of a buck was taken. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, antlers are like eight inches. And, uh, but I'm, I'm more proud of, of this tag getting notched than even my biggest buck or my first buck or anything like that. This, it, it was just one of my most proudest times watching a tag get notched and, and uh, seeing this thing come together. Uh, I, I feel like I was more excited than she was in a lot of ways, just because I I've seen the progression. Um, so Anyway, I don't know if I'm making any sense, man. No, you are completely. <laughs> I just, I, I could, t- like, I could, I could relate in a, uh, just having kids myself and watching my kids grow up and getting them involved in the outdoors and seeing them achieve certain goals that, yeah. you know, you might not necessarily feel like that's a goal I would want to try to accomplish. Like we always set the older we get and the more experience we get, we set our goals a little higher, but Mm -hmm. um, it's cool as a parent to come back and be able to say, yeah, whatever comes out and they're happy with and they shoot or they catch or whatever. Like it's almost more exciting than you achieving that goal of something great that you have in your head. Like, yeah. Even if it is the smallest buck or or a doe, it doesn't matter. It's like yeah, no, it doesn't you matter. Your kid achieve a goal, and it it it's like it's more fulfilling in a way. It is. Know? It 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 was like seriously, it's one of the most fulfilling hunts I've ever been on, and it was, you know, it didn't take long. We weren't out there very long. Um, on yes, you know, yesterday specifically, we spent a lot of time out there, but. Uh, that specific hunt, I, I think maybe we we're, like I said, 15, 20 minutes and that buck walked out. Well, yeah, uh, but I mean, but, you know, also it's just... talk about the preparation for, for that. Well, that's what I, I mean. mean. You guys, yeah. you know, it's we not. We sighted in rifles, we scouted, we checked trail cameras, we, we learned about, I taught them a lot about like the behavior of white-tailed deer and, and how specific they are to to you know not just the 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 species itself but regionally you know a a whitetail in north idaho is is not going to be the same thing as like a whitetail in kansas and and how they how they behave and and even what they eat uh you know those things are different and and what predators are in the area you know there's there's a lot of these these great big they talk about these huge bucks in the midwest but a lot of those bucks they're not dealing with you know uh, black bears or, or grizzly bears or wolves or ridiculously huge mountain lions like we've got here. You know, not to say they don't have any predators, but it's, it's just a different thing. Everything, I think it was Troy Pottinger that said it on my show. Uh, he said that everything is trying to kill a, a whitetail. Yeah, 365 and, 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 days a year. Yep, 365 days a year. In, in the mountains of, of northern Idaho, um, you know, in, in western Montana and eastern Washington, you know, there's, there's a lot of things out there trying to get a whitetail. And so they are on edge more so than I think that whitetails are in other regions of the country. Yeah, and that's, that's 100% true. I don't think there's a dynamic that's the same as north Idaho anywhere else as far as growing deer and getting – like, I just – 
I mean, no. I I really don't. You you take our terrain, the mountains, the. I mean, we don't have ag land. They're feeding on forage, and it's all dependent on uh, our season too. It's like, yeah, yeah, we might have green foliage in July or June, but come right now, October, mm-hmm. that's diminishing very fast. And very fast, they're getting hungry. And I'm, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a bit nervous about this winter. I, I'm suspicious we're gonna get. Yeah, because uh, that that winter kill has a huge effect on on our deer herds. Yeah, and I mean, so we have all these different scenarios that play into it, and it just for a deer to even make it a year here is is pretty incredible. Yeah. So. Yeah, for I mean, sure. I it's it's funny because like I'm not trying to get off subject and go back to elk, but I'm going to bring elk up because. You have your elk herds, and elk have – it's like strength in numbers, right? They've mm-hmm. got – I know you and I have talked about this, but you've got all these eyes. And it's like you can bust elk, and they'll go – sometimes they'll only go 100 yards. Sometimes they'll go a mile. But then they'll yep. stop, and they'll go back to feeding, and they kind of get back on their group, and they forget about everything that happened. Not necessarily forget, but they get kind of nonchalant to it. And yep. whitetail don't forget. I just, no. from what I've <laughs> noticed, like they aren't <clears throat> stupid. They, <laughs> you bust no. them once here in North Idaho, and it's like you might never, not ever see that deer again until it's five, six. You might not ever see it again its whole life. I mean, yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. They don't mess up. They, they just, they're they're super tuned in to the environment in a way that like we'll never understand. Yes. So yeah, no, great point. So I've got one more thing. If you got time, I know it's getting late, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, I kind of wanted to hear you speak to why youth hunting is important. If yeah, I mean, I mean especially just going fresh out of this experience. But I mean, just you in general, I know you're a big uh, a proponent for you. You really encourage youth hunting and getting youth involved. I do. And I know you've done some, you know, you've done some stuff on the side to get more youth involved and, you know, as far as contests, whatever you like, you're always trying to encourage youth. And I want to hear you kind of speak to that a little bit. Okay. Well, um, it's, I mean, there's no short way to answer this, but, but here's the thing. Like I, I know that hunters get frustrated and wound up about, you know, the amount of hunters we have and the hunting pressure and the competition in the woods and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we'd the, all be lying if we didn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was just like, what, 45 minutes ago, bitching about how many hunters I saw in our unit this year. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, so I'm not, I'm not definitely, I'm guilty of that is I guess I'll put it that way. But, but the thing is, is, is you, that's going to be a very like micro issue. You have to, you have to look at, I I come at this a lot differently than a lot of people do because I look at this from a macro level in terms of like my 
involvement with um, watching these anti-hunting organizations and how they how they operate and how they come together and work together and fund how they fund their programs, um, all that kind of stuff. We, I, I guess I guess that's a long way of saying is the odds are against us as hunters, and the future of hunting is is very much a, a, in in question. Yeah, and I know that especially for like you and I, where we live, you know, hunting is our culture. Everybody freaking hunts, man. Like, yeah. like it, it, it's not this, we're not like unique here. When that is not the case in other regions and, and parts of the country where it's a lot more populated. Right. When, when we have, when we have these organizations that have cottage, cottage industries that raise millions of dollars to fight the hunting um, hunting rights essentially, uh, and and try to eliminate our right to hunt. There's there's a lot of things that play into this, and part of the thing that plays into this, from my perspective, is it, it's. I don't think for for anybody in my audience, there, there's no question as to what side of the aisle I'm on, like politically. And I'm not going to turn this political in any way, but there, there's no question of that, right? I'm I'm right. pro gun. I'm against big government intrusions and and uh i'm pro constitution and i'm pro freedom uh take a wild guess the kind of people i vote for right yeah what what bothers me on that topic is these anti-hunting organizations and the people that support them are of the mindset that it is their right to take away my rights and and again this is a long way to get back to what your initial question is but bear with me no, I'm I'm all ears. This man. is this is one of the things that I get I get really passionate about, and it's one of the the founding principles as to why we started the podcast. Why I started the podcast is this this thing that is what we know as a as a lifestyle, and it's it's our primal nature to to do this. Like like hunting is not new, right? Hunting is not a new thing. Um, th- th- this is as much as there's been man on earth. Uh, we have had hunters, both male and female hunter and gather, uh, you know, communities that, that have just evolved into what we are now. And so when, when you remove the human from that natural place and, and, the, and the, the place of origin for humans, they, they need to find other ways to uh, create struggle that where, where maybe a struggle doesn't have to exist. And in this case, the struggle is, is, oh, I'm so compassionate that I think it's wrong to kill animals. Uh, oh, and by the way, I'm going to go to Taco Bell and have uh, beef-filled tacos for dinner. So, yeah. Th- because they live in that kind of society. They have that kind of – they have that ability, that, that um, you know, the, this luxury of, of getting their food anywhere. Right around the corner, there's 10 different options. There's, uh, you know, you go in any city in America, it all looks the same now. Yeah. And, and you, you can go to, you can go to McDonald's or, or the grocery store or whatever. So when that struggle is removed, all of a sudden we need to find new struggles. And for them, the struggle is they, they feel that they're, they are morally obligated to, uh, that they know nothing about, right? Like a great example is that Senator Weiner out of California that, that introduced the bear ban, uh, for, for the state of California last year. Um, yeah. that, that particular Senator in his district, there are no black bears in it. He lives in San Francisco. There's no black bears. Maybe unless there's a zoo there that I don't know about, maybe they have a black bear in there. <laughs> they don't have, 
black bears wiping out deer herds uh, or the, the fawns in the spring and the elk calves in the, in the spring, they don't have black bears coming in and killing livestock. They don't have black bears tipping over garbage cans and, and, and all these things that, that just, you know, black bears doing what black bears do. Yeah. We, on the other hand, where we live, we have a lot of black bears. These black bears need to be managed just like the wolves need to be managed and just like the elk need to be managed and just like every species needs to be properly managed for their own good. And so they get, they get with this mindset in which that they, again, they, they have this moral thought that they, they think that they have this moral high ground to take away our right to hunting because they are hurt by that. They are somehow, they've got this um, sense of spirituality to save these animals or something. I don't know how to properly explain that, but yeah. it irks me because they feel like they have the right to take away my rights because a they're wrong. You and I know way more about wildlife conservation and this wildlife and the, and the natural habitats that they live in than they'll ever know. And, and B, it is my right to do so. And as, as, as an American, just on principle alone, nobody's going to take my right away. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. So, um, uh, again, I told you I was going to get there. I, yeah. I am concerned for the future of hunting. And it's not just for me, because do I think deer hunting is going to go away in my lifetime? Um, most likely not. Mm. Do I think that it is going to be uh, much more restricted and move to a place where it's going to be a lot harder to get a tag? It's going to be less accepted. It's going to be like an, a societal abnorm instead of a societal norm. Yes, I absolutely do. And the reason is, is because as hunters, we are greatly outnumbered. And so youth hunters are paramount to the future of hunting and wildlife conservation in the North American model of conservation as we know it. This is how we manage these, these animals. This is why whitetail were just about wiped out at the turn of the century. And, and now we have millions and millions of whitetail. The same, same thing with turkeys. Tur turkeys were near extinct. And now we have millions and millions of turkeys across the country in all sorts of hunting seasons to keep them managed. Now they're problematic. You know, they're shitting on everybody's property and they want you to come and hunt them. That's because of hunting. That is not because of some animal rights activists in 1910 in San Francisco. And yeah. they didn't do anything. It's not because of PETA. And so the future of hunting is we are at, we're on the cusp of losing this thing that we know and we love and we're passionate about all because of emotion and not science and not facts. And so if we get our youth involved, the more youth hunters we have involved to carry on not just the tradition of hunting, but the passionately defend it for the future of our wildlife and conservation in general, we will have nobody. In 20 years, things can look a lot different. And I'm not that young. I'm not a spring chicken, but I'm not that old either. I want to still be hunting in 20 years. So that is why I think that that is the foundational reason that I think it is super important to get our youth involved. We need more hunters, despite yeah. the fact that sometimes we feel like it's more crowded. We have to have the next generation that is passionate about it. And the other thing that I will say, this is a whole other side of it. It is extremely um, healthy for these kids to get out and hunt, not just on a physical side, but a mental side as well. When, when you, when you get these kids away from 
you know, social media and, and, you know, screen time and, and all these things and expose them to the realities of nature, you will find that they actually very much thrive in that environment because they're so open to learning and they're so in tune with, with their natural environment because that is what is natural to them as much it is, as it is as a game that we're pursuing. We're all natural to the earth, right? Yeah. And so, so by, by letting them stay at home and, uh, you know, watch TV or, or whatever, you know, kids do these days, video games, whatever, there's nothing wrong with that to an extent. But if, if you let them stay home instead of getting them out into the natural habitat that humans were meant to be in, that's an unnatural environment. And that's why there's a lot of data that suggests that that's why that is so mentally unhealthy and physically unhealthy for, for kids. And the, the third point that I'll close this out with, because, uh, again, I've been talking for a long time here, but um, well, this is the whole point the, of it, Jim. <laughs> the fulfillment side to you as a father or, or those of you listening as a mother, the fulfillment side to your soul, getting these kids out and experiencing the wild and the nature and the life and the death and the, the functionality of, of what goes on in these wild places that you'll never experience in a freaking national park or in some city park in downtown LA. You'll never experience it. These are wild things. And, and it's amazing to get these kids into it and the, the fulfillment to your soul as, as the parent and the, what you'll get out of it is, is just as great as what the kids get out of it in terms of benefits. And so it is just un questionably a very important thing that people get these youth involved and get them out there, get them exposed to things like guns and hunting and, um, you know, the natural environment and wildlife and wild meat, wild game meat, super healthy for them too. Um, it's just a great thing, man. I can't say enough good things about it. But, well, too, uh, like I'll touch on something you said was, you know, us as hunters are the reason why we have, our populations and you know control mm-hmm. over certain things like we are the management tool we are the management tool yeah absolutely and, and passing that down to your kids it, it's important for our wildlife it is it, yeah. very important for us to be able to sustain the herds and our predators and everything in our ecosystem we have to as a whole, we all have to manage it correctly and being able to pass that down to our children is, uh, I mean, it's huge. And it's, it, that's what's going to carry our herds and our predators and everything in our ecosystem. That's what will sustain it. These people in offices that want to, you know, ban hunting and ban anything. They, they have no, they have no plan and how to manage everything so that it can exist on our planet because it cannot exist and it cannot sustain itself without us playing a part in that role period it just can't it's not it's not even realistic to sit there I've, i've heard a lot of them say that like oh well let the let mother nature take its own course and and it'll they'll manage themselves that's not it, reality it, it it doesn't it doesn't it just doesn't i mean we haven't always had an idaho fishing game but for thousands of years the native americans took care of that and and it's just it's not it's not re- reality to even think that 
And I always ask the question to some of these anti-hunting folks out there that, you know, think that they have some moral high ground to preach to me about how evil it is to kill an animal is I ask them, what is it that PETA has done that has ever saved an animal or saved their habitat or, or helped animals thrive in any way, shape or form? If you can answer me that, what PETA has done, which PETA is really not the threat there. It's really more like the Humane Society of the United States and Center for Biological Diversity. Those kind of groups are really the threats. PETA's yeah. just a joke. But I, I tell you what, if you could tell me what PETA's done to help animals uh, in, a, in a real way, in a real impactful way, I'll buy that, I'll, I'll buy that PETA member of their own hunting license and I'll take them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah. No. That's awesome. I appreciate it, man. Uh, I appreciate you having me, man. This is fun. It's been a lot of fun. I, I love talking with you. Like, Every time I get to talk with you, it's a great time. So <laughs> it is always fun, man. You've been on my show twice, dude. I know. Well, gonna, I, and there's going to be there's going to be a I third one. Have you as a guest on my show? It's like <laughs> the guy that inspired me to do this is on my show, and it's really cool. And I appreciate. you. Oh, you're too kind. I appreciate it. But yeah, <laughs> no, this is it's always fun talking to you, dude. And and uh, uh, obviously we have a good time when we're hunting, and yeah. uh, we're just gonna keep we're just gonna keep plugging along, dude. Yeah, no, it's like, this is cool. This is good stuff, and this is stuff that people need to, like, I mean, it needs to get out, and people need to start doing something about it, you know? Totally agree. I think that's the mentality now. It's like everybody looks at something, and they think what they're going to say in their head, but nobody does anything about it. Yeah, that's something that you do with your podcast. It's like, I've heard you. You've invited some of these people onto your podcast, and you're like, hey, I want you to come on and explain to these guys and none of them do. Yeah. No, they, they, they literally stop talking to me when we get to the point of, okay, what does your day look like on, you know, the 23rd at four o'clock, you know, that's, that's when they stop answering me because they yeah. talk big and tough. Like they'll come on and debate about why they, it's, it's a good thing to get rid of hunting. Uh, and, and then once they realize that, emotional arguments can't hold water against facts and evidence and, and history, um, then they, they won't come on. So I, I've, I've been looking for it. If you know an anti-hunter that's willing to come on and make a case, let me know. I will. You'll be the first guy I call. I'll come, I'll come up there and sit in. I just want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, man. Come be my co-host. I will. <laughs> and vice versa. I dig it. Hell yeah. I'll do it. So with that, everybody, thanks for tuning in tonight. Appreciate you coming on and listening to this. Um, if you haven't, Jim, uh, tell everybody where they can find you and tell them about your podcast and all your platforms. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can get the Western Huntsman podcast anywhere podcasts are downloaded. I am on hunting schedule right now. Uh, so we're only doing one every two weeks, uh, but that goes back to weekly come December 1st. So uh, you can check out the Western Huntsman.com. Uh, we've got some good information on that site and it kind of it can direct you to the podcast and articles and swag items all sorts of stuff uh and then one thing i'm trying to really build up is our our instagram i really don't know shit about instagram and so i'm trying to build it up (laughs) (laughs) you know whatever uh so yeah and we're on facebook i don't even have an instagram (laughs) i i don't even i don't have a tweeter thing so don't follow me there but um I did, but I got rid of it because I didn't understand it. I can't blame you. 
I it was stupid. I a Facebook just everybody bitches at each it. other on that thing. So I was like, no, nope, goodbye. Yeah, got enough headache. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, anyway, all right, brother. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, dude. And uh, thanks yeah. for everybody that tuned in and listened to this. And we hope you have a good night. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode in the iLife podcast series. I hope you enjoyed it. If you wouldn't mind, please give us a review, subscribe, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks.